Well, as we dive into God's Word this morning, we are continuing our study on the, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And uh, we've been working through this the last few weeks and uh, going through and understanding how the Spirit works in us and what He produces in us. And the title of, of our series is called Fruitful, How the Gospel Releases You to Bear the Fruit of the Spirit. And we've been looking at this list that Paul wrote, the Apostle Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 5. And he wrote this to the Galatian church, and we've made it through about half of these so far. And the thing we're noticing as we work through this is that each of these is alien to us. They are outside of anything we can create in, in ourselves. They are not just something we develop on our own, but uh, God, by His Spirit, produces these in our, in our lives as we grow and as we mature in Him. They are not inherently within us. And, and uh, we need God's grace. We need His Spirit to help us in this, to bring these out in our lives, which means we need to be mindful to be in prayer. We need to be in His Word. We need to be seeking Him and, uh, and, and being patient as he, uh, as he works in us. And so let's take a moment to look at what I'm talking about this morning. If you have your Bible, look at Galatians chapter 5 with me. And let's look at these two verses together, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And there the Apostle Paul writes this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Uh, this week, as I prepared and studied for today's message, I did a fair amount of research on this word goodness. Uh, just looking up, coming that's a... Seems like a pretty broad thing, doesn't goodness? I, and I thought I had a really good idea of where we were headed and, and what it meant and the context of all this. But the more I read and studied, the more I realized how wrong I was, uh, how inaccurate my picture of, of what Paul is communicating. And it took a deep look at this word uh, for me to really wrap around, wrap my head around uh, the meaning and what Paul is communicating here. And if you're new to Christianity, if you're new to the Bible, you may not know that the Bible was originally, uh, it was not written in English originally. It was written, the Old Testament, the first part of the book was written over many centuries in, in the Hebrew language. And then uh, the New Testament was written in the decades after Jesus' death in Greek, primarily, uh, by far primarily in Greek. And the Bible we use today is translated from those languages into English. So that means it's important for us to have a really good translation that's accurate to the words, but also to the thought that's being expressed here. And so uh, this was highlighted to me immediately by what I discovered as I dug, in, dug into Galatians 5. And it quickly became apparent that I had misunderstood this whole concept of what Paul was communicating as he writes goodness in this list. What I learned is that God's goodness is a really complex thing. Uh, it has layers to it and colors, especially in how it's worked out in our lives and toward us from God. And we don't always spend a lot of time unpacking the original languages here on Sunday mornings, but I, I want to do that a little bit this morning because it's really important for us to understand what Paul's communicating. Our trait of goodness comes from a Greek word, that is transliterated agathasune. It's going to be on the screen. Agathasune. 
There you go. Goodness, I got that soon. I even put the pronunciation there in case you wanted that. Uh, and this is a very interesting word because it's not a word that was used in conversation. It's not a word that people on the street would use in their normal day. It wasn't a word used in literature. In fact, the only place we, we find this word in the whole Greek world is in the Bible. And even in the Bible, how it's used, it's used four times by the Apostle Paul because he made it up. <laughs> the Apostle Paul, uh, in, in, an, in his attempt to try to capture what he's saying, takes a word and he tweaks it a bit to, to, to generate a, a, a focus and, and, and to help us understand what he's talking about. Um, he basically took a Greek word and altered it to better describe one of the ways that God's goodness is worked out in our lives. As the Spirit of God is inspiring Paul to write these words down, Paul is attempting to convey something of God that transcends the language of the day. That, when you put it in that terms, okay, I understand why he did that. The point, that it requ- the point is it required a new word for him to, to communicate that. What this word means is very similar to what we saw last week uh, as we saw uh, our time on kindness. Here, goodness is not about holiness or righteousness as you think about character and nature. Instead, goodness is about being kind, being benevolent to others. It's the outworking of the kindness to others in a way that the actions are in the best interest of the person receiving the kindness. But here's the thing. At times, goodness is expressed in a way that's not always perceived by the receiver as being kind. (laughs) It's not always perceived as being good. But we'll get to that in a minute. Paul's writing this to help the church understand the full picture of what it looks like for the Spirit of God to be at work in the life of the follower of Jesus, growing in maturity, growing in a way that helps us to resemble Jesus more and more. And to help us grasp this specific component of the concept of goodness, Paul had to create an entirely new word by adding a suffix to the end of the word, which means good. He tweaked the original word. We have another slide. He tweaked the original word, agathos, and put this bit on the end to get this new word. And we do this today. In our, you think about English, we do this a fair amount. Uh, we like to turn words that are nouns into verbs. We like to verb things, you know, uh, see? And uh, one of the most common ways we've done this in the church is that we've taken the word mission and we've tweaked that word to make a whole new word. Uh, we take the word mission because we believe that Jesus, based on the New Testament, that he's commanded us to love people He's commanded us to love God with all that we are, to love people that we love ourselves. And then the outworking of that is to go and make disciples. So we've created this word that's become prominent over the last two decades, missional, that we want to be missional. That's not something that's in the dictionary. That's something we've created. In fact, our church even has missional communities because we want to action the the noun mission. So Paul does the same thing here with, with the word good and goodness. It's a made-up word, entirely new word. But why did Paul do that? What was he trying to articulate by doing this? To help us see this, I want us to turn uh, from Galatians over one more book to the book, the letter of Ephesians, chapter 2. And I want us to read a passage that hopefully will help us get a little more understanding on this. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul writes this, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's 
Good news, isn't it? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You were saved by grace. He also raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. And here we go. I want to focus on verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Let's pray together. Father, we ask that you would help us today. Help us to wrap our hearts and our minds around this aspect of your goodness challenge us today. Let your word have its perfect work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. When you and I put faith in Jesus, God transforms us. He makes us new. He takes takes us and makes us a new creation, the Bible says. Before Christ, this passage tells us that we are spiritually dead, dead in our trespasses and sins. And you think about a dead person, what does a dead person do? Nothing. There's nothing they can do to get back to being alive. We were helpless. We were dead. Our very natures, it says, are opposed to God and the things God desires for us and for this world. We talk a lot about the resurrection, Jesus coming back from the dead. And when God saves us, he does the same thing in us that Christ experienced. He he takes us spiritually and he, he takes us from when we were dead and brings us back to life again, that we can walk in the newness of life spiritually. Before Christ, we are dead, but God brings us back to life. This happens when we put faith in Jesus trusting him, fully believing that he's the only way to have a relationship with God and the only way to be made righteous before God. When we do that, we're saying that Jesus is now the one we desire to live our lives for, that he's now the one we want to prize, the one we want to cherish, the one we want to delight in. And the way it's phrased here is that we were saved and made new. And the phrase is created in Christ Jesus for good works. Verse 10 says that. Everything about our lives is then reoriented. It's made new. Now, life is about us experiencing God's goodness and then Him working in us and then through us in the world around us and the lives of others around us. That means that the life we now live as followers of Jesus is meant to be lived out as a reflection of the character of God, the nature of God, who God is, and He's good. Scripture tells us that God is good. We see that over and over again. All it takes is a cursory reading through the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. Over and over and over again, you see that phrase, the Lord is good. His steadfast love is good. It's enduring. He, he is good. You see this over and over and over again. Jesus in Luke 18, 19 even says, no one is good but God alone. The brother of Jesus who James was once a skeptic of Jesus himself until the resurrection, and he's 
mind is blown by all this and he comes to faith and ends up being a leader within the church he writes this in james chapter 1 verse 17 he says every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights who does not change like shifting shadows that's that's rich right there every good and perfect gift is from god the one who does not change that's amazing theologian wayne grudem this will be on the screen theologian wayne grudem puts it this way the goodness of God means that God is the final standard of good and that all that God is and does is worthy of approval. All he is, all he does is worthy of approval. Therefore, he goes on to say that this is how we define what is good. Anything that God approves. That's what good is. Anything that God approves. That's how we define it. We don't define it on our terms because we aren't uh, we aren't constant, but God is. God is the source and the standard of all that is good. He's the only one who can truly determine what is good. And that's a whole other sermon in and of itself. We don't have time for that today. What, what we take away from all of that is that there is nothing in this world that is good that did not come from God. Let me say that again. There is nothing in this world that is good that didn't come from God. He is the source of it. So now... Our ability to do good is due to our proximity to God. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, what we just read there, it says that we were created for good works. The reason that's even possible is because God has enabled us to do that by His Spirit. And we do that in many different ways. Last week, we saw that we do that through kindness. Uh, we've seen that we do that through love, through patience in the last few weeks. We do that by showing mercy to others, by being gracious to others. But as we think back to what Paul writes in that very first snippet of Galatians 5, in that list of the fruit of the Spirit, we do that through acting in a way that is kind and benevolent to others, even when it isn't received as goodness or kindness. Now, all it takes is uh, being responsible for a small child for about five minutes to really grasp this concept. Uh, Children don't always have an accurate concept of what is safe and what is not safe. And it it is the responsibility of parents or for adults looking after them to to really uh, keep them from harm. And this is often met with resistance. To my daughter, if we are walking down the street, the other side of the street can seem like this exotic, mysterious, place that she just wants to go and check out. (laughs) It's her desire to do anything at all costs to get across the street and to see this mysterious place called the other side of the street that she's not yet explored. It's attractive. Inevitably, her desire to explore all that the other side has to offer requires that she walks through traffic, (laughs) which is not a good thing for her to do. She does not take it kindly when I prevent her from doing that. Instead, she gets upset. She doesn't understand. She doesn't receive my kindness and my goodness as being kind and good. She sees a dad being not letting me do what I want to do. She sees dad as being limiting to her rights and the things that she desires. I'm acting for her good, yet she does not receive it as being good. My motives, my intentions, my actions are all above reproach for her good, 
but it's often met with resistance and frustration. Jesus found this to be true in different scenarios in his life. Uh, one time as he observed the practices of the temple, the place that was supposed to be the place where God allowed man to draw near, to worship him, to pray, to offer sacrifices uh, to, 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 for repentance of sin. Instead, uh, it had been turned into a place that was meant for profiteering. People were selling uh, animals for the sacrifice, but charging crazy, ridiculous prices for those animals. Others had set up business to exchange any foreign currency into the currency of the temple, but they were giving crazy exchange rates that benefited the business owners and not the people. They were taking advantage of those coming to worship God at the temple which is absurd if you think about that whole concept. All four of the Gospels tell the story of how Jesus fashions a whip. <laughs> he sits down, takes time to fashion a whip, and then he runs out all the money changers. He's knocking over all their tables, and I'm sure feathers are flying everywhere and changes flying everywhere, and, and he's yelling at them saying, my house, don't you know it's written, my house is to be a house of prayer. And the people are angry. They do not take kindly to his good intention and good motives of trying to reorient their expectation and their picture of what the temple worship was meant to be. (laughs) Instead, they just see a guy who's causing them to lose profit and lose business. His intentions were pure. His actions were extreme. His heart was pure. He was trying to help them understand the truth of the situation. This action was an action of agathasune. It was an action that was kind and benevolent, though it didn't look like it from the perspective of the business owners. Here's the thing. If we live lives that are obedient to Christ, we will be misunderstood. That's a guarantee. We will be falsely accused, even when there's no sin, even when there's no wrongdoing on our part. There will be times when the, most, when the, when the worst will be assumed about us when no benefit of the doubt will be given to us. (laughs) We know this because this is what happened in the Scriptures. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not perfect because there are times when we act for our own self-interest. There are times when we act sinfully, when we are selfish. But acting from this kind of goodness means that in the moment of action, you know that what you're doing is right for the benefit of others, that your conscience is clear. But that's what Paul writes in Galatians 5 will happen as we grow in maturity in Christ, that the Spirit of God brings us more and more into the likeness of Christ. The crowds turned on Jesus when they didn't see the revolution and deliverance from Roman occupation that they desired. He was crucified as a result because they didn't understand his ministry. This also happened to the Apostle Paul. Part of his letter to the Galatian church is finds us reading that Paul was actually scolding them because they're questioning his his authority, they're questioning his motives, and he's scolding them right before we get to the fruit of the Spirit section. Uh, They didn't give him the benefit of the doubt that he had their best intentions in mind as he counseled him. This idea of God having created us, saving us, and Christ to do good works reflects what we see in Philippians chapter 1. there, Paul writes this, Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. This is the same idea. 
but it's in terms of sanctification. See, when we put faith in Jesus, that he's the way to have relationship with God, we are justified. We're forgiven of our sin. We are cleansed of our sin. The righteousness that is Jesus is applied to our lives. There's this transaction that happened. On the cross, he took our sin. He took the wrath of our sin upon himself. And in exchange, he offers us his righteousness, which is infinite. He's, but it, that also marks the beginning of another process in our life when we put faith in Jesus called sanctification. And even though we've been forgiven and God sees us as being this finished product, we haven't yet reached this eternal reality here in the moment on earth. It's, it's this mysterious thing that theologians call the already but not yet principle. <laughs> yes, in God's eyes, we are perfect, but here yet, yeah, we're not quite there yet. You and I both know that. We, even though we've been forgiven, we're still walking through this process of trying to be more like Christ. Therefore, God gives us His Spirit, doesn't He, to live within us, to help us become more and more free from sin and more like Christ. This is a, long, a lifelong process where we will never actually reach this perfect state in this life. Yet, God in His grace is continually helping us to be more and more like Himself. Sanctification isn't a fun process, but it's necessary. And that's what Paul is talking about in Philippians chapter 1. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. God began a good work in us when He redeemed us. And as He sands off those hard, rough edges, as He works off those, those rough places in our life, goodness is cultivated in our hearts. Goodness is created in our lives. But we don't always enjoy the sandpapering, do we? <laughs> we don't always enjoy the process of sanctification, even when we recognize that it's leading us into more Christ-likeness. All of that is exactly what Paul had in mind as, we, as he wrote Galatians 5.22, when he lists that trait of goodness as a fruit of the Spirit. Okay. We needed to get through all of that before we could actually look at how we apply this word goodness to our lives. We had to have all of that explanation. We had to wrap our hearts and minds around that um, before we could actually consider how we might grow in this and, and live this out. How can you and I reflect that kind of goodness in our lives? Again, we recognize this is something the Spirit is producing in us, not something we manufacture. And as we grow in maturity, He grows our development in this. Therefore, we continue to grow in relationship with Him. We seek Him, spend time in prayer, spend time in His Word. We confess that we can't do life without Him. He conforms us more and more into the image of Christ, which affects the way we think, the way we act. And as we try to live this type of goodness out, it is hard. It is hard. We want to be liked by people. We want to be understood, don't we, as people? I want, to be under, I want my actions, my motives to be understood by others, but they're not always. Look back at Galatians 5, and 23 for a second with me. Let's read that one more time. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Acting in a way that reflects this kind of goodness is only possible when we are reflecting these other fruit. It's not something that's done in a standalone manner. We can't just partition these off and segregate them. They are linked together. You and I can only act for the good of others when it comes from a motive of love. 
we can only do it with peace in our hearts, knowing that, you know what, I am doing the what I know honors God and it's for the good of this person. I have peace in my heart from Christ to do that. You and I can only do it when we have joy in our hearts that it affirms our identity is in Christ. It's not in, in, in whether I am rejected or not from other people. It's not in how other people perceives us. There's a freedom to speak hard truth when there's joy in our heart because our identity is in Christ. We can only act this way act in a way that's truly good when we respond with patience and grace. Whether it's speaking the truth to a friend about a destructive habit, a destructive relationship, uh, confronting people with hard truth, whether it's speaking up about something that isn't right about the dynamics or actions in a workplace, or not giving your children the thing they want, which is also something that's that's, that's not good for them, People won't always appreciate it in the moment, but knowing that and still trying to act for the good of others anyway is exactly what the goodness of God is is at its core. Uh, Let me just flip that around for us for a second as we close. Um, Keep in mind that all of this kind of goodness originates from God. He is continually acting this way in our lives. We continually push back on it. God, why? Why did this happen to me? Why are you letting me go through this? Why is this person in my life? <laughs> why was I born into this family? Why do I have these friends? Why, do I, why is this going on at work? God uses the things in our lives to make us more like Him. But we ask why. We don't always receive it as kindness. God, could, could it be that God's taking you through seasons of difficulty for your good? He may be Agathasun-ing you. <laughs> Could it be that God is using the brokenness of, the, of this world? That this, this broken world, there's pain in it, there's loss in it, there's death in it, there's illness in it. Could He be using those things that we experience from the brokenness of the, this world and turning it around and using it for our own sanctification to show His love to us? That's what the scriptures tell us, that in the midst of trials, persecution, suffering, sorrow, loss, the Bible says this from Romans 28, Romans 8, 28. It says, we know that all things work together for the good. By the way, that's the root word we've been talking about today. All things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. For those who he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? As we look at all this today, we have to ask the question, how will we respond? Will we recognize the love and goodness of God in the hard circumstances of life? Understanding that He is using these things to make us more like Jesus, to be conformed more and more into His image. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never trusted that Jesus is the way that you can have a relationship with God. Maybe you've never put faith in Him. Turn to Him today. Turn away from trying to live up to God's standard of perfection on your own. Trust in Christ today. Christian, will we be brave enough today to act for the good of others, even when it may cost us something? 
when it may cost us being misunderstood, being like Christ means that we're willing to act for the good of others, even when it's unpopular, even when we know that it may not be received well. Let's be faithful to live sacrificially for the good of those around us. As we respond this morning, there will be a couple of folks in the back um, in the prayer space. Maybe you want prayer for something in your life this morning. Maybe it's something, a situation like what we've been talking about, goodness. Maybe you need healing this morning. Maybe you want to know more about following Jesus. There will be somebody in the back who would love to talk with you, who would love to pray with you. Um, They would like to serve you in that way. But as we close, we're also going to respond through the table. And we're going to take the bread, and if you're a follower of Jesus, we invite you to do this, to take the bread, to break the bread, to dip it into the cup, and to remember that God chose to love us even when He knew we wouldn't receive it. He chose to love us in spite of what it might cost Him. He chose to do what was good even when He knew He would be misunderstood. So why don't we thank God for that today through the table? Let's pray. God, you are good. Your goodness is incomprehensible to us. That you, creator of all things, that you who have always been and always will be, still act for our good, knowing that we don't always receive that, Lord. That is amazing, Jesus, that you would do that, come to the earth, that you would live knowing that you are going to suffer and die for us. Father, I pray that you would help us to respond in a way through our lives that we could love others the way you've loved us, that we could be about the good of others even when we know it will cost us. Help us to do that, Spirit. Give us boldness to do that. Continually produce the other fruit of the Spirit in our lives that we might be able to do this well and reflect who you are. Help us to be conformed more and more into the image of Christ. Amen.